Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I'm Tammy. I'm Michelle. I'm Gracie. And a hug is a gesture intended to convey a sense of care, support, safety, intimacy, and affection. And even though we can't wrap our arms around you, we want you to consider yourself hugged. And so here we are. We're back again. Excited to be here with you all. Still, I think we're still in Mental Health Awareness Month. See, we don't even know. This this part, Michelle, is the same as it used to be when we co-hosted together. We're like, I don't know, what month is this? What is the topic? We don't know when this is going to post. What are we doing? What are we no. doing? I don't know. Gracie fits right into that. So I'm going to say, yeah. No. We think that this will still be Mental Health Awareness Month. I'm pretty certain that it will be. So welcome back to Mental Health Awareness Month. And we, we're just excited to be able to have some topics to help you out. So y'all are doing well? You too. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you for asking. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. I'm always here for you. So Thank Michelle you. is, is our- That's perfect. It, it fits right along with what we're going to talk about. It, well, today. I don't know because it's kind of a surprise. So yeah, Michelle has taken the lead on our first couple of episodes together. And so just like last time, we don't know if she's going to surprise us. We kind of know the topic, but she's such a- risk-taking crazy so tell us michelle what do you got have? pulled over today y'all i got pulled over so yeah i'm a what apparently i didn't yield yeah i'm, I'm with this new place right i'm helping at another um location different city and i am the person who like stops on the yield sign sits there at nauseam and people are honking and they're like wow well, you got like i'm always that that's person. you but today yes this morning that is me this morning I'm, I'm going and like, I think, you know, I can, I think I can beat that car. I think I can beat the car. And so I, you know, fished the gas and did make it. However, it was a police officer in an unmarked car. <laughs> that's the car that you beat? No. Yes. yes, that's the car I beat. He then pulled me Ooh. over on the side of the interstate. Yeah. And again, like, and it wasn't, I mean, I didn't know it wasn't close, but at the same time, he pulled me over and just said, you know, I had to, on my break, you didn't yield. And I said, I'm sorry. And he didn't give me a ticket. I was very thankful, but that is, that's kind of my life. Like if I'm going to take the chance, I'm going to try to beat it. It is a police officer in an unmarked car. Who yeah. are you? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know this. I don't even know this side of you. Did you cry? No, no, I just got my license. I was pretty sure that I was going to get a a ticket, but I I did not. On the so interstate, I was just kinda, just yeah, yeah, trying to get onto the interstate. Okay, so back to the topic. So, oh, um, sorry, what we're talking gonna... about today. Listening, <laughs> you're just so shocked that I. No, I was going to keep going so, because you're um, so calm about it. But anyway. Because I didn't get a ticket. If I'd gotten a ticket, I don't think I would have been. Yeah, but I wouldn't have been calm anyway. I would have cried just because of the sheer embarrassment. I just can't stand it, you know, to be, you know. Well, I mean, I'm sure it was embarrassing <laughs> because like we're, everyone that's down here helping is staying at the hotel. Oh, darn, Michelle, you're. And we have to be at work at the same time. So I'm guessing many people. Gracie, are you hearing? Sorry, am I back? Her? She's back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, was, you, I, was, I was hearing it lag. Yeah. Okay. When you were saying everybody, what about the hotel? You were, that was completely gibberish. Everybody that is down here helping 
we are all staying at the same hotel and we all have to be at work at the same time. So I'm sure many people went by and saw it, but I'm like, you know, it is what, what it is. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. All right. Now you may go back to your topic. But like in years and years past, had that have happened, I would have been super upset. I would have like focused on it all day. One of the things that I have definitely struggled with in my life is kind of that perfectionism mentality that you can do 99 things right, one thing wrong. And it's the one thing wrong that I'm going to like hyper focus on. And so what we're talking about today is kind of some different things related to caretaking, perfectionism, and how it impacts mental health. And so like, where is the boundary? Where's the line when it comes to being a a caregiver with healthy boundaries and codependency? And so I'm just going to kind of start out and tell um, a little bit of my story. I'm going to talk a little bit for a few minutes about my mom. So my mom, I grew up, she had six sisters, so big family. And when she was in middle school, her dad, um, who owned this building that there was a bar in, he um, killed a man. He followed him home after a bar fight. And I'm like seeing your, your fate that looks on your face this year. That's not where you expected that, that story to go. Well, well I knew, yeah. and I feel, I feel like mm-hmm. I need to say that I knew so that if someone is watching this on YouTube and they see Gracie's reaction and my reaction, like I'm trying to react, but I knew knew already. Right. right. And so my mom was in middle school. And so basically, um, like I followed him home, my grandfather or so that, you know, the story goes, he told him, you know, he needed to knock it out of the car, stay in the car. And the guy went around to get his gun and my grandfather shot and killed him. And he shot and killed him in front of my mom and some of her sisters. And, um, he was incarcerated for what I understand to be about 18 months. And so they told him at the time, if you just say you were afraid of the man, he was at your house, he followed you home, he was going to get a gun, then, you know, it'll be self-defense. And my grandfather would not do it. He would not say that he was afraid of the man. Because, of course, you know, they didn't have a lot, but what he did have was his pride. And he, he wouldn't say it. And so my mom being in middle school in this super small town, um, she used to tell me and my siblings, I would fight every day. Somebody would look at me the wrong way and I would fight. And kind of as I got older, what I learned was people would pick on her. People would say things about her dad. And so she fought daily to defend him really. And so she really kind of, it was ingrained in her that it was really important that you not share the struggles or anything that was going on within your family. Mm -hmm. She really wanted to protect me and my siblings from that kind of pain that she went through. So it was real important to keep what happens in the family within the family, even if you're struggling, which we know now, you know, it it creates some family secrets and it creates some struggles. And so I'm the oldest of um, three siblings. My brother was four years younger than me, my sister eight. So I was the oldest by a good bit. And that's just a formula for codependency. Hmm. Codependency for me kind of being defined as the caretaker of other people's emotions. For me to be okay, 
you have to be okay. Yeah. And so within our family, obviously a lot of pain, my, my dad kind of had his own struggles and pain growing up and the mentality in this small town in general, not just my mom, you just didn't share. Mental health wasn't a thing. Therapy wasn't a thing. And so kind of growing up, my parents divorced and then got remarried and then divorced again. My mom had cancer two times. Um, I mean, there were multiple things that happened. And when that happened, I kind of was the family Mm -hmm. caregiver because I was the oldest. And in codependency, even though I didn't even know the term, there were a lot of things that I enabled. Mm-hmm. Being young, not yep. really understanding, lots of things that I enabled. And it took me a lot of years to unwind all of that because it can, you can end up carrying a lot around with you. Mm-hmm. It's just really not positive for your mental health trying to learn that you're okay and that other people's decisions are their decisions and that you have to be okay even when they're not okay is is tough that's big michelle yeah i mean that's probably the best definition of codependency and everything else that i've ever heard Mm -hmm. that's well and so I've shared about Celebrate Recovery before, and it is something that after my, my brother died, because one of the things our family kind of covered up oh, was my brother at a very young age, and then you he gotta, died. Um, you, Michelle. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, you got to start again. You said one of the things that, and then about your brother, all I'm of back. that. Yeah. You're back. You're back. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm sorry. Where did it leave off? I'm so sorry. It must be the internet here at the hotel. Yeah. You said one of the things you're talking about your brother. Yes. One of the things that um, my family covered up was my brother started using alcohol at 13. And like statistically, we now know that when someone starts very early with substance use, then the addiction happens much quicker and the outcome is poor. And so like when he was um, 25, almost 26, when he was 25, he died in an alcohol-related accident. And so there were many times along the way where like once um, he had a suicide attempt and I was kind of arguing with my parents about trying to get him help. And, you know, my mom was like, and again, because she really believed this, she believed that if he went to any kind of hospital or treatment, that it would ruin him, that if that got out, that he would be ruined. And so, and she, and I know 100%, she did that out of love. She thought that was protecting him. Right. But when he passed away, I had a lot of emotion around, I should have tried harder, like mm-hmm. that kind of right. thing. And so, um, like with that, like that was one of the things like the, the Celebrate Recovery Ministry, which is also going to be in our resource guide. I was going to say, yeah, you'll put that in there. Yeah. And so like, that is where I learned about codependency long before I worked in mental health. I learned about codependency there. There's no way had I not done recovery for codependency that I could do the job I do now, which is absolutely no way. Right. And so, um, so today we're kind of talking about this topic because I feel like as Christians, as women, as men, as, as kind people, we are sometimes taught 
that we're responsible for taking care of and making other people happy at the risk of our own mental health. So I'm just going to kind of pause here and get your your thoughts on that. If if that's something that mm-hmm. you've ever struggled with or had any experience with. Oh, well, I, I know as I say, yeah, who, <laughs> who hasn't, you know, had experience yeah. with that. I think one of the biggest things for me was learning that what can be really healthy and good in certain relationships or interactions in unhealthy situations or interactions or relationships, it's, it's enabling, it's codependent. So it's hard to look at a behavior. Well, of course you support your family, of course, you know, and that's been the big struggle with me as the oldest child, as the perfectionist, as the hero, as all these things. Well, of course it makes sense to do that, but it doesn't. And I think that's the biggest thing that was, I still struggle with that is where's that line, right? When it is something that is healthy, maybe mm, now it's not. How do we, and that's the big thing that I think a lot of people struggle with. How do we tell? Mm -hmm. That's gosh, Michelle, when you shared that and, and talked about, you know, learning that, um, cause this is a tough one for me too. And I'm not sure this is something that I have d- done a lot with, you know, or come through in the, in the framework of codependency, you know, because my sister and I both basically became my mom's parent when we were small, you know, we were 10 and 11 and she just, her mental health was, you know, at the at the time it was called nervous breakdowns. Remember that term? Mm-hmm. So she had had numerous mental health or nervous breakdowns. I called it at the time, but, and she, when my dad left us, she completely just stopped functioning. And so, and it wasn't, it was very expected, not in a, you know, I can, I know this now on the other side of caring for my mom, that it wasn't a vindictive thing, that it was a complete just lack of ability to do it any other way. And so the message was that we are here together and you, you know, care for each other, you know, make sure that you don't say anything bad to your sister, make sure that, that everybody's happy. Don't speak bad things. Everybody needs to be happy. And so you grow up with that. And I'm wondering with you, um, you were still full on into adulthood when you began to really deal with that, were you not? I mean, it's not like you were, it's not like your mom took you to counseling. No, no, absolutely. I was an adult before I ever even started realizing it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I shared a little bit about my mom's story, but she had a really, a lot of really difficult things happen to her. And I felt bad and I wanted to rescue her and I wanted her to be happy. And um, it it didn't change when I entered recovery. I'll say this, when I um, started going to celebrate recovery, my brother had just passed away. And as I mentioned, I struggled with that. We were all there when that happened. Um, And so I walked out of that. I walked out of the hospital that day. And was thinking to myself, if I hadn't like been, you know, so tied up in my own life, you know, I could have fixed his. Now, is that not the most codependent thing you have ever heard? Obviously, if I can't fix my own life, I most certainly 
But at the same same time, I got upset with my mom through some different things that happened. And I stopped being codependent to her. I was codependent to her as an adult as well for quite some time. And um, so I, I stopped doing that. And she kind of turned to other things and got so much healthier. And so I think that's another moral of this story is when you're codependent, to some degree, you're enabling unhealthy behavior to continue. And when I removed myself, mm. she became healthier. And so that's Did not something Did you struggle I- with that? Did you take it personally? Like I tried to help and it didn't help. But as soon as I stopped, she gets better. Did you struggle with that? Um, No, no. But I think <laughs> Did you I- celebrate? <laughs> Sorry, I just- <laughs> It was the reason, let me say the reason I didn't was because I was in, you know, the, the celebrate recovery program, right, which is right. you, know, you do 12 steps in recovery. And so I kind of saw it through more that perspective of, you know, this is unhealthy. And so I was looking at it through a lens of codependency at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I don't blame myself. Thank goodness. I don't blame myself for enabling in that way when I was young, because I was just too young to know and it was set up that way. Right. So I don't blame myself, but at the same time, I'm very happy that, that there was a scenario that kind of intervened and that was able to get recovery. And my mom and I, even though it was a little struggle there for a while, like in between, um, we were very close when she passed away. We had a great relationship, a very healthy relationship. And so I'm very thankful for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I wasn't, I mean, that's a very good, good question. Um, but no, I think because I had CR and the, the people around me at that time, it wasn't somewhere I went. And I, and I think that's a really important point is we can't do this on our own. Yes. We need to have that support. You know, I know Michelle was going to like talk about herself in the way that that I would, but you know, it's so going back to codependency being, what did you call it? What is that great thing that you said early on? The caretaker of other people's emotions, the caretaker of other people's emotions. And I'm not okay unless you're okay. And I have watched Michelle and I tell her this fairly often that she's just like a hero to me. And I just love watching her because when we have conversations about difficult things that have happened during our days or whatever it is. And I, I watch her as she shares a story and I know that this is true. And she talks about, she's just very calm. And I know that you're not always very calm, but that you take a moment to figure out, you don't just have to jump and make sure that that other person is absolutely okay. Right in the moment to the detriment of you, that you can take a moment. And even though you may be upset, and even though it may take a while to get through it, you can take a moment and know that you don't have to be the caretaker of that person's emotions. And I just love watching that in you. So this, this is a wonderful topic that I feel like I'm sitting here in therapy, (laughs) you know, exactly. I still am not there yet, especially with my children my husband to some degree, but with my children, it's very, very hard. And 
they, I think they know that I've talked about this. They did share with me once that I, growing up, I really didn't let them have emotions. And, and that was sort of from that growing up where we're just going to be, we just, we're just going to be happy and no one's going to be upset and we're not going to speak the truth and we're not. And so, you know, we've had to really, I, I did not respond well, let me just say when, when that, but it's, it's a really complex topic. It really is. And I love the, the celebrate recovery. Um, I may have to click on that link. Yeah. It's a, it's a great program. I think that, um, I mean, it taught me before, before therapy that, you know, you mentioned pausing that, you know, we all see things through a frame of reference and Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you have to, particularly with as as entrenched as that was to think through, you know, how am I reacting to this? Like what lens am I using to look or react to this? And is it the one that I need to be, to be looking at? And, um, and I carried a lot of that. And we talked about on the phone not too long ago, I carried a lot of that, you know, keep everything to yourself mentality well into adulthood, um, and Tammy went through very something um, very personal with me when we were teaching, um, and and I had shared with her. She asked a question yeah. that really um, was such an on point question, but was so far outside of where I was thinking and the unhealthiness of the situation that it kind of brought me back to reality. And so that's kind of like what you're saying, Gracie, it's so important to have other people mm-hmm. to speak into your lives. I think even people, even if, if it's people who are struggling with the same things that you are, it's helpful to have people that you know, understand, but can also look at a situation, your situation objectively, right? Because you can see something in your friend that you can't necessarily right. mm-hmm. see right. in your own life and allow them to speak into that and be there to support one another. Yeah, I think the hard one of the hardest things, you know, and if you're listening right now and this is something you struggle with, I, I'm guessing this might be you too. One of the hardest things about this, and I see that you do this well also, is just feeling that if you, and it, women can be this way too, because you're, if you're being a caretaker, that if you aren't behaving as the caretaker of someone's emotions or that you don't care, you know, right. like. Mm-hmm. that you're cold or you're uncaring or you're then it's not that at all you know and i think that's one of the hardest things is to understand that you can still love these people and be concerned about them but you just can't hold on and and take their emotions as your own and fix them and carry them and change them and you do that really well too i think it's I just think- it- Sorry, go ahead. Then I think also when we talk about, you know, codependency and things like that, to be able to get to the point where we can hold ourselves accountable for our stuff, even if it makes us uncomfortable without having to be tied to theirs. And that was the big thing for me is being able to say, yes, I did this and it impacted somebody else in a negative way. And I'm accountable for that. And make amends as best I can and, and all that. 
and then let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I know, right? Because I would just keep- How do we do that? Keep trying, right, keep trying to fix it, keep trying to fix it, keep trying to fix it until they're okay again. Well, that's, right. that's that yeah, might be their stuff. That And that ties into kind of um, what I was getting ready to say. I mean, it's, there is that period of time when you start to recover from that, that the people you're enabling are going to be upset with you. I mean, there, yep. there just is. And that's not a bad thing but it doesn't feel good. It's kind of what you're trying to avoid. It's why you're, and you know, another kind of core thing about codependency is sometimes if you really look at it, it's really more so you don't feel pain or just as much, let me say that, just as much so you don't feel the pain mm-hmm. of them suffering as them feeling the pain. And so, I mean, looking at it that way, there's, there's going to be a a period of time where they're upset and that's okay. And that's again, where your support system comes in. Like if, if you're trying harder than someone else is at something, if it is really negatively impacting you, but they have no problem, you know what I mean? Like so many times, like if, if, if you're carrying all of the weight of something and carrying that weight for somebody else's struggle, then there's something unhealthy mm-hmm. about right. that. Right. That's an interesting way to put it. And you're, you're right though. It, it is as much about you. Like, I don't want to feel bad. Who wants to feel bad? You know? So if I can, if my brain can prevent that, even though I don't know my brain might be doing it until I stop, you know, by making somebody else feel good, then it, everything is like, you know, and you feel better for the moment and then it continues. So, it's so hard with your kids. It's so hard with your oh, kids because especially when, at all ages, when they're young, like the whole rescue thing. I mean, it's like, you don't want them to hurt. So let's, let's rush in and try to fix it. And then they're happy and you're happy. Like it's, well, and that's our job with our kids, right? That's what we're supposed to do. At the Even when they're in their thirties. <laughs> exactly right i know i'm 90 and you're 75 <laughs> but i'm gonna jump in and are you happy what can i do to make you happy so what do we do michelle what are we how do we help these people well i think like i mean i'm gonna start out and just say that kind of determining healthy versus unhealthy and if this is something you struggle with I feel like you, a support team's good. A support team that you can call up and be like, hey, you know, I'm not sure about this situation. Let me, t- let me share and see what you speak into it. Somebody that understands. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the person behind you in the grocery store line. No, no. Oh, no. You're <laughs> okay. talking about like people who understand, who understand what this struggle is that you trust that you're willing to let speak into the situation and remind you that the most loving thing to do is not fix or, you know, caretake. Well, and it really is. I mean, it. I have another situation in my life that is not the same thing at all. However, I have stopped intervening in that situation not not an emotional thing, but an actual like physical thing, I guess emotional too, but 
and it's been months and that person is doing fine. I mean, as far as I know, but, and it's almost like you said, like intervening all the time, trying to make that person happy all the time is preventing both of you from growing, you know, it's, and if you can remember that, if you can remember that it's not just harming yourself, it's harming the other person too. Well, then you don't want to harm the other person. So that's, I love that as a place to start. Well, and getting back to the thing with kids, one of the things I've really with, with my kiddo is okay. So I'm doing all these things because I'm supposed to support her and protect her and, and make her happy. And well, what happens when she goes out and into the real world mm-hmm. and I'm not there immediately behind her, I'm setting her up, her up for failure. Right. You know, so it's hard to watch your kiddos be sad or bored or unhappy or mad at you or any of those things. And those are all normal, natural things. So yeah. yeah. What else do we do? Ooh, I like to share something I, I came up with by accident. Ooh, share. Yeah. So those are the best. Yeah, I know those are. So you talked about, you know, determining healthy. So one day I'm, I'm doing a training. It just comes out I'm like, Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Is it healthy and helpful? Right. Okay. Because sometimes I don't know if it's healthy or not because it's normal to me. Is it helpful? And the, then I took it even a step further is, is it healthy or helpful? And if my answer isn't immediately, yes, then it probably isn't because sometimes the way, well, it's not, but is it really unhealthy or really, I'm not really sure Then it's not. So is it healthy and helpful unless the answer is immediately yes, then it probably isn't. Make sure you write all that down so we can put those questions in the Ooh, that's good. Yes. Show notes for people. But that's a good thing to trigger getting support from somebody who's an objective third party. Well, I don't know. Give me some information. That and is so important, fun. isn't it? To have those relationships where someone is not just going to agree with everything you say. Yes, exactly. Right. Question you and they're going to love you, but they're going to question you and have a conversation about it. Yep. Exactly. What you just said is key. You have to know that that person is your unconditional person. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. I joke around sometimes about dress pants and no, wait, dress friends and pants friends. Have I told you this before? No, you know how, like, if you're in a particular time period where maybe you're eating too many donuts or whatever it is. And if you, you know, if you're wearing a dress, a dress is like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, have another donut, you know, you're great, but your pants friends are like, you should probably not have that other donut. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yes. It's, I'm not a big fan of like the really mean pants friends, but the ones who oh will, the jeans the skinny jeans the, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. want skinny jeans friends yeah maybe just a little bit of a stretchy pant friend it's like I don't know <laughs> right but it's important to have those people it is absolutely well gosh Michelle that was two great topics in a row what else did we want to tell these people we haven't already shared be kind to yourself we said that the last thing this is. Um, it's a process. It's a process. So it's, it's you know, if, if you hear yourself in our stories today, if you hear mm-hmm. this is something that is affecting my mental health, 
then you know I'm, I'm completely not okay if my family members are not okay then you know look at the resources we yes. have reach out um yes talk to someone and just know it's it's a process that's what I'd say and and is it and take care of yourself I was um Mm -hmm. kind of realizing it, it wasn't too long ago. I was very um busy and I had kind of gotten tired and I realized that I had done something um I don't know perfectionism whether um codependent when I back at the earlier part of the year had COVID so I was diagnosed with COVID and I have a job where I can work from home by telehealth and I thought, well, I'm just not even going to take a day off. I'm just going to, you know, just work from home. And the first day I was exhausted and I slept through lunch, set an alarm, slept for lunch and then worked the rest of the day. And I felt better by the next day. But when I think about that, like, why? I had <laughs> like five weeks of vacation. Oh, Michelle. Right, right. And so like, why be like, oh, no, I don't want them to have to, I don't want to inconvenience them. I don't want them to have to reschedule everyone. I don't it's want just my health. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Exactly. You want to be the hero of this everybody's story and how well, sorry, I mean, I'm being just, a pants friend right there. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I it, think, it, I mean, no, you make a good point. It wasn't even that it was more like, well, I don't, I would be willing to inconvenience myself instead of inconveniencing them even though I should have just taken the day to sleep and so like is what you're doing is this that I should take the day and sleep for myself day <laughs> or is this uh I should push I mean it's ask yourself those questions and you know all. what I love about you know so you're you're listening you you listener whoever you are right now if you are beating yourself up about anything in your life. I want you to realize that right here on this podcast, you have a psychiatric um, nurse practitioner. You have a licensed master's degree counselor who does regular trainings on mental health. And you have a PhD in human development. And we're still sharing our stories with you of our struggles. So yes, <laughs> it's just... It's a journey. We, all three of us, we study this, we read about this, we're passionate about it and we support each other. And so, yes. And we should have said at the beginning, we're going to get better at this, that all the things we're talking about are again, not designed just for you as counseling or, or therapy or advice, just for you. We hope that things that you heard were helpful, but always go visit those show notes for all those resources. And those are places you can reach out. And you know what, if your company has an EAP program, Please. we need to be saying that too. Oh my gosh, contact those people because it is not just in my years of, of the days when my mental health was, was at its worst before I went in the hospital. I had an EAP in 1994 and it was six visits to a counselor. That's what an EAP program was. And I was grateful for that, but it is so much more than that now. Yep. So, yep. you know, it, or someone in your family might have a, a, an EAP program that you qualify to be a part of. So check that out. Fabulous. Right. Okay. Well then having said that, go visit the show notes, please. And you know what? 
continue to like and share and subscribe and download. That helps grow us so much. Um, go to the show notes, uh, leave comments, ask questions. If you're a woman and you're not in our Facebook group, the link will be there. All of our information will be there from the show. And I think that's it for now, right? I think so. All right. So <clears throat> until next, oh, because we want you to feel hugged. We want you to feel loved. So until we're together next time, consider, consider yourself, yourself hugged. hugged. <laughs> oh, y'all, that was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs>